rule. Whoever finishes the coffee pot, please empty out the cup. my note? Mike. He wrote me a note. That's the nicest guy ever. I couldn't have asked for a better roommate. What up, dude? Don't what up, dude me. What up, dude you? Did I get coffee this morning? He's just so thoughtful. Okay, so you got coffee. You know... You got, you literally had to move the note to get the pot out. Wow, he really wants me to read this note. What, what did it, how could you not read the note? It's like eight words. This guy, just tell me what it says. I already wrote it. I wrote the thing. I'm not gonna write it again on the text message. I already wrote it on the note. He is so intentional with his communication. I can't, I can't. This is, is that, am I reading that right? Yes. I can be as good of a roommate as him one day. <laughs> and good morning. Welcome to the part one of Bad Blood. If you've had a roommate like that, go ahead and don't raise your hand, okay? Because we've all had somebody like that. My name is Jared. I'm director of student ministries here. If we haven't met, I hope to someday get to know you and meet you as well. Um, but I am excited to start this uh, relationship series because we all deal with situations like that on a daily, if not uh, hourly basis at work or at home, different things that, that make our relationships just frustrating to no end. And I want to talk about that because I think we do a lot of not dealing with that, and that makes our lives so hectic and it makes it so stressful. So I want to start with something that's really obvious that you guys are going to immediately click with. Um, it's basically this, this idea that relationships are so much like a box of chocolates, I think it was really, you know, um, Forrest Gump who first said that life was like this, but I believe relationships are like a box of mystery chocolates. Who loves mystery chocolates? I know I don't. Mystery chocolates to me are the scariest thing about the holidays. Like, I can't imagine anything worse than somebody handing me a box of mystery chocolates. There's only one thing in there worth eating, I think you'll agree. It's the one with the peanut butter in the middle, but they make that. It's called Reese's. You don't need to buy a box of mystery chocolates to get the one good one. You know, you don't, you don't have to do that. Now, some of you are really nutty, and you like the almonds, and you like the coconut in the middle. That's all fine and good, as long as we have the label at the top of the box. But what I've always found is somebody crazy opens up the mystery chocolate box, throws the label to the side, and guess what? 
Now we don't know which way it's supposed to turn, thank you very much, and I'm going to eat the coconut one, right? And then, have you ever been at a place where somebody's like bringing around a box, they're like, hey, would you like a chocolate? And you suddenly go, you calculate in your brain, the possible joy versus the possible discomfort, right? You, like, you, you look at the chocolate and you go like, yeah, I like the dark chocolate ones usually, because sometimes the dark chocolate ones, the ones that are a little bit darker, have that, that nice, chewy, dark chocolate center. But sometimes the dark chocolate ones have the orange cream in it. And I don't know who in the world likes the orange cream ones, but they're always the last ones in the box, right? And so I know if there's only two left, chances are bad. Not going for it. It's going to be the orange cream. I, so I don't know about you, but this is the way I think about relationships in my life. Like, I just wish that people came with a label so I would know with how to deal with them today. Like even the people like that I'm really close with, if, if maybe my wife and children came with a label today, hey, don't make jokes this early. That would be awesome. So when I'm making breakfast for my kids, I don't set them off. And I'm like, sorry, babe, I gotta leave now. You can take the screaming child to school. That would be, that would be an awesome thing, right? If everybody would just come with a label, it would fix a lot of things because I would know how far to engage or I would know how to approach and I would just have this sense of what to do but people don't come with labels. And a lot of times we are in, a, and some of you are in situations where you have this bad blood with somebody and, and, and it started over something small and simple, but doesn't bad blood just kind of run through everything once it starts? And you don't ever see it coming. Now, some of you see it coming. Like some of you have lived with, you know, you had, a, you had an ex, you broke it off with them and then they moved in two apartments down from you with their new boyfriend, girlfriend down there, and you had to watch them every day be happy as they walked past with a dog. And it's not that you really wanted to be with that person anymore because you broke it off, but there's something about them just flaunting their happiness in front of you, right? And it's just like, bad blood, and I really don't want to deal with you, and I would just soon take a bat to your face. But I'm not going to. I'm going to be the bigger person here. Or, or maybe it's a, it's a boss who, who constantly has these meetings where he, he or she keeps saying one thing, and then walks away and does another. And so everybody gets frustrated and the resentment in the room just starts clouding the whole office space. And everybody is kind of on weird terms with one another and you don't know what to do and you're not sure how to handle it. Or, or maybe it's your in-laws. Your in-laws, every time they come in, they, they tell you how to do your job better, right? If you could just do this, if you would just do this, if you just, and you're like, uh, it's not like that you don't hate them because you love them, but if they could just be zh for a minute, right? If they could just close it, because what that all does, it all creates this tension in you, and then they leave, and you still got tension because your, your spouse is still connected to them, and you're like, I can't complain really right now because they're your parents, right? And so all this, all this weird stuff, and even with these, ep it's not just epic relationships like that. It's just regular ones, because here's what I know about bad blood. Bad blood can affect any relationship at any time, if, if you've been married for any number of years, you know this can happen like on a, everything can just turn. And suddenly dinner becomes silent. And you sit on the couch when you normally you might be making small talk about the day. Everything is just tense. And you feel like you need to leave the room. And, it, and you head to the bedroom. Everybody gets laid down for the night and you get in bed. And, then, and, and you just wish that maybe there was some noise in the room because everything seems so much more quiet than normal. And everything is just... All that tenseness comes in. And you don't, you're not even sure really what happened. You kind of think you know, but you're not sure. And do I say something? Do I, do I apologize? Do I not apologize? What, what's going to make this worse or what's going to make it better? And we all sit in that little arena of weirdness. And we're really not sure what to do with all of this bad blood that seems to be happening in our relationships. 
And so I want to talk about that stuff. I want to make sure we have a chance to talk through that because here's what I know about our happiness. Happiness comes from peace with God, peace with ourselves, and peace with others. Like if you had to define happiness, wouldn't that pretty much cover it? If I could just get to have peace with God, if I knew I was doing the right stuff and I was kind of on the right track, and if, if I had peace with myself, like I, I knew that I'm okay with who I am, and if I have peace with the other people in life, would, wouldn't you describe that as a pretty happy life? If you could just kind of have those three areas under control, you'd have it pretty much figured out because that's where happiness really does come from. It's this peace we have in all three of these areas. And I want to focus on this last one because I believe it's one of these things that is so obvious in every day and in front of us. But for some reason, the answers to solving some of the tension in our relationships isn't something we obviously step into. It's not something we take a first step toward. So I want to challenge you today about something. All of you right now are thinking possibly of a relationship you're having tension with. And you're thinking of that person or those people that every week or every day tend to just set your day off and you go home and rather than talking to your kids or talking to your spouse or, or rather than feeling like you can just sit down and relax, the, the conversations are swirling through your brain the whole evening and it distracts you from really having a good day. So I want to work on that because here's what I believe. Here's, here's what I want to go to, that the, really the bottom line of the whole series, the next three weeks. You can have peace about the relationship even without peace in the relationship. Now, here's what that means. You can have a set of peace. Like you may, there may be some relations in your life, and you're probably right, that, that you can't solve what happened. Like you can't make it better. You can't go back, or, or they can't go back, and nothing's going to make it all be better and, and perfect again. Maybe you're right about that. But here's what I know. There is a peace that can be found about that relationship if you'll work on the right stuff. Maybe you'll never get to the point where you guys are good friends again, but maybe you get to the point where it doesn't eat you alive. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe with, with, a, with a kid who moved away, maybe you'll never be as close as you thought you would be with you and your, and your child who's now a grown adult, but maybe, just maybe, you can come to terms with and have peace about that brokenness and have peace enough to not let it eat you alive. So let's, let's start with something that's really simple. This verse from Romans 12 is actually gonna kind of just set the tone for this whole series. This verse starts out with this. Actually, it ends with this. I'm not gonna give you the first part yet, but I want you to deal with this statement. Live at peace with everyone. Boy, that's pie in the sky, isn't it? Like when you read this, you're like, for real? Live at peace with everyone? How is that even possible? Like when I read that, I think, there is no way. Like, look at our world. There is no way we can have peace with everyone. So whoever wrote this has got to be off their rocker. They're trying to sell me a box of chocolates and I'm not going for it, right? Listen, the writer of this, let me just tell you, is the only person I would trust to write this. Not the only person, but he has credentials that I think give him leeway to say this and make this statement. There was a, this guy who wrote this was named Paul. Now, Paul was an interesting character. If you don't know about Paul, Paul was, he started out as a hater of the Jesus movement, and he became a pioneer of the Christian movement, all in just about a week's time. So listen, 
Paul, Paul wasn't just a hater like, uh, like uh, oh man, these Christians are so stupid. I don't understand this Jesus stuff. There's no way he came back from the dead of these Jesus. No, he was like, we've got to kill them. Paul was on a mission to kill off Christians. He hunted them, he chased them down, and he stoned them. He led the way for these, this Christian movement to be wiped out because he was a Jewish Pharisee. And he didn't want to see anybody tell him that his way of life was, was, was wrong or, or, out of, or out of whack with God because he knew he was right. And so as he watched all this happen, he just couldn't stand it. He was a complete and utter hater and active. And then he had a moment where he, he spoke with Jesus. Jesus came in a bright light to him. Okay, whether you believe that or not, that's fine. But listen, he, whatever it was, he changed. And he became a pioneer of the Christian movement. So I want to ask you a real good question. If you had a good friend who hated a certain group of people but suddenly became part of that group of people, what would you think about them? Paul's got to deal with a group of people who he's been chasing, who's saying, hey, I'm now one of you. Would you trust him? I would have difficulty trusting that guy. Oh, you want to come hang out with us? You spy. You're a double spy. You're trying to get into our network and take us all down, right? This, this is what Paul had to deal with. Can you imagine the, the, the length of time it took him to build healthy trust and, 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 and friendship with these people who he'd been chasing down and trying to catch and kill? And then think about it on the other side, the people who watched him move from one side to the other. They're all going, Paul, we, we were on the same team. You just switched teams. What are we supposed to do with that? And Paul's going, I know we're such good friends. I still want to be friends with you. And they're like, we can't be friends with you. You just, cha- you just changed into a Christian. What does that mean? We're, you were just killing them. So if anybody, listen, if anybody has the authority to say, live at peace with anyone, it's Paul. See, Paul would be like in modern day, just think about this. If a known terrorist became your high school chemistry teacher, that's what this is like. Like if, if a known uh, computer hacker just moved in and became your bank IT specialist, This is what we're talking about. Just think how serious this is. A a Coca-Cola salesman buys Pepsi for his birthday party. I know it's all fiction. Nobody would ever do that. No Coca-Cola person would do that. But listen, think about the switch that is involved in this, what happens upon. Paul says, hey, live at peace with everyone. Now, Paul does give us some qualifiers. That's why I want to start with this one, because this is something I think you need to deal with, that this is something that Paul is shooting for. But he actually starts the verse with this qualifying statement. He says, if it is possible, live at peace with everyone. And everybody in the room just went, see, even Paul knows if it is possible. See that big word, if? He knows it's not really possible. See, my kids always tell me that when I say maybe, that means no. You ever got, you ever got, like, kids are like, hey, can we go to the pool this afternoon? I'll be like, yeah, maybe. They go, oh, that means no. Like, they don't even think maybe is a possibility. I'm like, no, maybe means maybe. They're like, no, maybe has never meant yes. That's, I think that's how we view the, the word if. Like, we always look at if and we go, negative. If, if it's possible, it's not really going to happen. So really, th- this is kind of a cool statement to say out loud, but we all know we shouldn't even worry about it because it's a negative. But here, watch this. What if you switch it to focus on the word possible? If it were possible. I think Paul's saying, listen, it could be possible. What if it were possible to live at peace with everyone? What if you could have hope that you could actually be at peace 
with everyone. What if, right? What, what if that, po- that peace was really possible? Here's what I think Paul's saying. This statement, I think, sums up what Paul's trying to teach us, that the pursuit of peace, even without the promise of peace, is not a waste of time. Like, you, like it's not a waste of time for you to think about Like trying to pursue this peace because the actual pursuit of peace is worth the effort. Like we don't have to give up before we start on a relationship that's broken. We don't have to give up before we even start on something that's that's maybe been years and years and years in the making and there's so much, there's so much to wade through. But hey, what if it's possible to come to terms, to have peace? Would, Would that not be worth it? Would not the pursuit of that peace be worth it? Paul digs on us a little bit more. Look at this next statement he adds in here. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Paul's so smart. Paul knows something. He breaks it down for us and says, listen, I know you can't control what other people do and say, but if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, As far as it depends on you, what can you control in this situation? See, we have a tendency in any kind of broken relationship to always look at them. And we're like, man, if they would just get their act together. Man, if they they had just said this instead of that, everything would have been fine. But they didn't, so now I've got to deal with that. Boy, if they could just follow through just one time on what this, but I can't even trust them. They're not worthy of my trust. They can't even approach my trust. I can't even think about them, them, them. Listen, I just want to ask you, when you have a, a broken relationship, do you ever stop and pause and go, wait, what was my part in that? Did I have some assumptions about what was going on that maybe I missed? Did did I miscommunicate? Maybe maybe it was something I miscommunicated because we were doing fine and then this happened and and something, maybe maybe I just said something that they didn't quite understand. Maybe maybe I need to go back and and see what I said. Do you ever think about you being part of the relational problem? Here's something I've had to learn a lot in the last few years is that I would make excuses for different relationships, and I would make excuses for the, the way different things would happen. And I always go like, yeah, but I'm such a nice guy. Why would anybody react that way to me? And then I realized the common piece in all these different relationships where this tension was, was, was me. I'm the common element in what may be going wrong here. So I've had to take a hard look at who I am in those different things that are going wrong. But let's focus on a different word in this section. As far as it depends on you. See, see, I think we really don't believe that anything really depends on us. See, about a few months ago, I was, uh, let's see, I was, yeah, I was home from work and I was cooking dinner. And, and I, I don't remember, I was either chopping up potatoes to roast or, or doing something, but I, I, I just had a horrible day. And honestly, you ever had that moment where you just, you just need to kind of like, I don't mind what I'm doing, but I need to be chill and I need to be relaxed and I need just some quiet. And my kids did not agree with that. They thought it was time to fight. And, and not fight like argue, but just like, I don't know, they had, they had this different game going on and they were going back and forth and there was a lot of screaming involved. And I got to the point where I was just like, guys, and I wasn't real loud, I was like, guys, you really need to calm down. I'm just having, I've had a really bad day. Can you guys calm it down? Just, it's time to be calm for a bit. 
I mean, that lasted like a minute. And then they went right back at it and things got loud and they were running back and forth and things were getting thrown. And it was just normal kid stuff. Like there was nothing, nothing was gonna be broken. There's nothing I was afraid of was gonna happen to them. It was just really about me. And so I really, I got really loud then. I mean, you ought to, oh man, I wish I could do it. I would break your eardrums. But I got really loud. I said, you need to quit now or I'm gonna blow my top. Boy, and everything got quiet then. I mean, everybody just sat down and everybody went back. I mean, it was, I had full control. Of the, I mean, I, finally I could relax. So the next day, we're driving home from school. And I can tell my son's had a horrible day. He's 12 years old. He sits up in the front seat. The girls are in the back. And the girls start to doing their normal unicorn kitty conversation with Pegasus. I, I mean, it's just the normal stuff. You guys get it. And so unicorn kitty's talking to Pegasus, and they're just having a conversation. My son goes, girls, you need to just stop right now. I've had a horrible day. And I wanted to go, son, you need to calm down. And I thought, oh, crud. His dealing with frustration depends on me. It depends on me. What he learned is from me. And I think we oftentimes miss how much it depends on us, the different things that break down in relationships. Because we have just as much responsibility in the relationship as the other person on the other side. And yes, they may have done something and there may be things that they need to answer for. But guess what? You may too. So, this little word, turn it yellow. As far as it depends on you. My question for you is, how far are you willing to go to find peace? Are you willing to take another step or has you, have you gone as far as you're willing to go? Like, have you gone to the point where I'm not going any farther? And I get the fact, listen, you need to make healthy boundaries with unhealthy people. I get that. Hurt people hurt people. And you don't want to get hurt again. You don't want to get so close to this hurting person that you get hurt again. But listen, listen, if you don't deal with the hurt between you, guess what you are? You're a hurt person who will hurt people. So you can either blame them and go no further to try and find peace with this relationship and about this relationship. Even you can't find peace in it. I want to find peace about it. I just want to be at peace about it. You can either do that or you can continue to be unhealthy yourself. And you can be the person that people are on the other side of going, man, I can't get any closer because this person's really hurt and I don't want to get hurt. See, I think we deal with relationship break and bad blood in an unhealthy way. I think we avoid people. I think we cut them off. I think we'd rather just be by ourselves rather than try to, to, to find another group of friends because they were disloyal and everybody else will be disloyal. Rather than working through all that and trying to figure it out in a relationship way, in a healthy way, we just avoid, we, we bottle up our own guilt and resentment and we hold that in. And that's why we have such a problem sleeping. That's why we have a problem trusting people. That's why we have so much Dis disturbance in our whole life is because we don't want to approach from a healthy way these broken relationships. So I want to give you a visual this morning. If you guys bring up the putting green. Some of you are golfers. I'm, a, uh, I'm somewhere in the range of being a poor golfer to a really great golfer. I'm somewhere in that range, depending on the hole and the shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm a, I, I can hit some great drives but most of the time my drives aren't great. But then I can hit a great chip shot. But anyway, I get to the, if I ever make it to the green, there's a problem. I can't putt very well. I mean, it's, it's horrible. 
And you know, you watch these professional golfers or you watch a really good golfer, and don't you just love how they, they line up their putts? Don't you love watching the caddy? And this is what people, most people go to sleep on, but this is the only thing I find interesting because they're all doing this. Yep, yep, I can see the grade. Yep, the grade's turning. I can see it. And they study, I mean, they're not being, they're not being, you'll watch a guy get ready for a, a four-foot putt and he will spend the next five to six minutes studying every angle, every blade of grass, like all the turns, all the slopes. And you know what's interesting, though? They don't just stand behind the ball, because a lot of times they'll start out behind the ball, and they'll, they'll get down, and they'll do this whole deal, right? But you know what the good golfers do? They walk around to the other side. You ever notice that? Like they look at it, they, the ball's on the other side of the hole, they look at it from this way as well. And then you'll see them, they'll start to think about it, and the caddy will be like, yeah, maybe, maybe. And they get a whole new set of data from walking around to the other side and looking at it and getting a different perspective and a kind of a different viewpoint. Have you ever thought about how important that is to do in your relationships, especially the ones that are broken? I mean, because we spend a lot of time on this side over here. But have you ever walked around to the other side of the of your relationship and where that person's standing just to see what it's like being on the other side of you? Have you ever done that? Because here's what I know. We're really good at being sympathetic, but we're not good at being empathetic. Let me show you the difference. Sympathy is simply this. Sympathy is acknowledging what the other person feels. Oh, I can see they're angry. Oh, I can see they're real sad about what happened. Oh, they're, oh, they're, they're now frustrated? Well, good. Like, we're good at sympathizing because we we've been there. Hey, I've been there, buddy, but you're just going to deal with it. But listen, empathy is something different. Empathy is feeling what the other person feels. See, empathy is walking around to the other side to find out what is it they're feeling because of what happened between us. What could they be feeling? What are my children feeling? What are my parents feeling? What is my coworker feeling? What's my boss feeling? Why is he, why is he acting that way? He's, he's, he's seeming a lot different this week. Because here's what I know. Sometimes when we walk around to the other side, we find out there's a reason why, and it has nothing to do with us. And we think it's all about us. Oh, the reason they said that and they were angry is because of something I did, but I obviously didn't do anything wrong, so they can just leave. Guess what? They may have been angry about something else that had nothing to do with you, but you didn't take the time to walk around and figure it out. So now you've cut them off, and it really had nothing to do with your relationship. But we take no time to walk around. So here's what I, I want to walk you through four things that will help us build empathy. These are from a lady named Teresa Wiseman. She's a nursing scholar. If you've read any books by an author named Brene Brown, uh, she does a lot of writing about relationships and, and connections and what, how important they are. But Teresa Wiseman gives four points on how to develop empathy, okay? She says, first, you need to take on their perspective as truth. Listen, that doesn't mean you need to agree with them. That just means you need to recognize that right now where they're standing and what they're saying and what they're feeling is truth for where they are that what they are feeling is, is real for them. And that for them, it is the truth, regardless of what you think happened. So you've got to come to terms with the fact that when you walk around, you're standing in their shoes going, oh, they really believe that when I said that, I didn't like them. Oh, they really believe that when they saw that happen, they saw this and I understand now what they saw. That's not really what happened, but I saw it happen. 
right? You can walk around and take on their perspective as truth and stop going, oh man, they're so stupid. I can't believe that, right? Number two, suspend your judgment. Stop looking at them as if they're a crazy person. I think that might be a great step for most of us. Okay, they're not crazy. Okay, they have a real perspective here and I'm not gonna judge until I have more answers. I'm not gonna judge what happened until I talk this out and figure some stuff out. Number three, recognize their emotion. This is the empathy part. Like know that there is, there is their emotion. You have your emotion, you need to deal with that, but they have their emotion on their side and you need to recognize that they're gonna have some emotion. This isn't gonna be like a, just a straight objective conversation that that emotion is going to be there as part of it. And then number four, communicate that emotion. Hey, I understand that you're probably feeling really angry because of what happened last week. Hey, I understand that you're really frustrated right now. Hey, I get that you're really hurt. This is, this is I, believe, I believe empathy is first aid for bad blood. Like the first thing we've got to do is to walk around to the other side and put ourselves in that person's shoes. Taylor Swift was writing her song, Bad Blood. Look, Band-Aids don't fix bullet holes. I get that. But listen, our refusal to walk around to the other side is making a simple little scar open up and fester and become worse. Because a lot of things could be solved if we would go quickly to them, but instead we let them fester. And some of us in this room have relationships that have been broken for years. And they tear you apart every time you have to see that person. And you have no peace. And while there may be no peace to be had in the relationship, you'll never be able to be back the way you are. But could you find peace about that relationship by having some empathy and walking around to the other side? So this is my challenge. This is a simple challenge of the day. Will you walk around to the other side and seek peace in a relationship that's broken? Will you do that this week? I'm not asking you even to tell this person that you're doing this. I'm not asking you to go and say, hey, listen, I'm gonna walk around to your side. I'm gonna try to see in your shoes, okay? You don't have to do that. You don't have to say anything to this person. But right now, maybe spend the week walking around to the other side and trying to figure out where they stand. Where is their emotion? What, what happened for them? And getting to that side of the conversation maybe will help you start this step toward peace. Because listen, this is what God did for us. We broke a relationship with our heavenly father. And rather than stand on the outside and point blame at us, he said, you know what? I'm gonna get inside their skin, literally. I'm gonna send Jesus to be all God, but all man. And I'm gonna have him experience everything these human beings experience. I'm gonna have him live in and among them. And he walked around to the other side, literally standing in human skin and said, I get it. I get it. Life is tough. People do stupid things. People hurt you. I get it. I've been with you. I've lived with you. And I've died for you. I actually took your place. I walked so far around to the other side that I decided to take your punishment for you so that you could have a renewed relationship with me. Listen, I'm not asking you to sacrifice that much for that other person. I'm just asking you to do this one step that God made for you. 
Listen, if you're, if you're a Christian, if you follow, follow Jesus, if you call yourself a, a believer, you, you need to follow Jesus in this step to the other side of the conversation and have empathy for the other person that's hurting because he did that for you. And listen, if you're, if you're not a believer here this morning, I want you to understand, that's why we Christians seem so crazy sometimes because we really believe that the almighty God came and gave himself up for us. And we believe he died because we should have died because of our sin, and instead he did, and he walked around to the other side literally for us. And I, I want to make sure that as far as it depends on me, if it is at all possible, that I live at peace with everyone because Jesus made peace for me. And so today, I challenge you, Find a way to find peace about a relationship, even if you can't find peace in it. Find peace wherever you can in that relationship, walking to the other side. Let's pray about it. Father, thank you so much. You are a God of grace and mercy beyond anything we can possibly understand. I don't know why, God, that you decided that the most loving thing to do would be to send your son, Jesus, to send a part of yourself to live with us, to experience all that we had to give him, the pain and the suffering and the death, but you did. And so God, I'm trying to understand this week, I hope these people are trying to understand how that should apply in our own relationships. God, give me the strength to apply that grace and mercy to the people in my life who I've broken with or I've had breaks with. God, help us to heal the bad blood between us by having empathy, to walking around to the other side, to pursuing peace even if we can't find peace in it. God, give us a chance to find peace about it so that the other parts of our life can be healthy too. God, thank you so much for your gift of a church, of people who are living like you, who are trying to live the best they can like you, to follow you, and for the grace that exists between us to help each other, encourage each other to keep doing it better every single day. In your son's name I pray it, amen. You guys come back next week.